1: by giving him this deal are you saying
4: that you know you feel you can win a super bowl with him
3: yeah yeah i mean that's the goal everybody's goal is to to win a super bowl so you know i think daniel you know you look at you know he played well his rookie year he you know he played well for us his past year i think uh you know the the coaching staff has confidence in him. his organization we have a confidence in him and you know we're going to continue to build the team around him that's the ultimate goal
2: It's a Thursday edition of PFT Live, and look who's here. It's Miles Simmons in for Chris Sims, who is not on assignment. He just decided to take the day off, and it was less than 24 hours ago that I found out he wouldn't be here today. But I am happy to welcome Miles back in. Miles, good morning.
4: I knew last week that this was going to be the case at the Combine, so I don't know where you were, man. <laughs> this is not like... I this have, this no, I have no idea... <laughs>
2: Now, I, I say this acknowledging the possibility that I was actually told, but I had no idea that this was going to happen. There is a possibility I was told. With that said, that I had no idea until yesterday when Pete Demolitis told me that Chris was going to be off on Thursday because we were having a conversation about what Wednesday feels like to him because... Thursday is his Friday, so what is his Wednesday? And we just kind of tripped into that. And Pete said, "Oh, Chris will be off tomorrow." And it's like, "Well, hell, nobody had told me, but maybe they had." I do acknowledge the possibility I had been told, and it just went in one ear or out the other, or it didn't even go in one ear. There's always a chance yeah. that happened as well. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So surprise, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the way, by the way, I, as soon as I sat down, I noticed that you're wearing your semi-trademark vest. I actually own one of those vest jackets, and I wore it last night in honor of you. I I oh, left wow. the Good house. Plan. I left the house to go to some place other than grocery store, drugstore, liquor store, haircut. Those are my four places that I go when I am allowed to leave the property. I went to a high school basketball game for the first time in years the public high school from the town where I grew up was in town playing the local public high school here. One of my friends teaches at the school in the town where I grew up, him and his brother and a good friends. friend of mine came down. I have another friends. friend who have friends. <laughs> I had three friends last night, three friends from for a long time, not just new friends who don't really know what an S I am whole. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> See if you put a couple words in well between, done. it's okay. Yeah, there you go. yeah, yeah, I'm going to start yeah, doing yeah, that yeah. more often. I think that's going to be my new bit. But uh, yeah, we, we they came here. We had we had a little uh, get together down in my barn. Had a little food, uh, and then went to the went to the game, and actually enjoyed it. I enjoyed as much as I don't like watching basketball on TV. I missed being in a gym. You know, as soon as you walk in, you hear the ball thumping off the like they're warming up. You can hear the balls thumping off of the off of the wood, before you even get into the gym. Like, you never ask to ask where the gym is once you go into school. It, you, you're drawn there by that sound, and there's just an electricity. Yeah, I, I mean, really, it's been years. It's been eight or nine years at least. It, it, my, my son's uh, high school experience, I'm sure we went to a few basketball games, and he didn't play, but, you know, you are a big game, and you go to the game. So, anyway, it was, uh, it was nice, and I wore my vest in honor of you and Matt LaFleur, the two people oh. I know who— who wear vest. Matt LaFleur, not my friend. I don't know him well enough for him to be my friend, and I've probably said enough things over the years that he wouldn't want to be my friend anyway, and I'm sure you're still on the fence two and a half years into our relationship.
4: Oh, I, you're talking about you? Yes, I, I would consider Matt LaFleur a friend. I, I would hope you would say the same based on our, you know, you're working together no, with the Los me. Angeles No, not for me. Not for me. Yeah, with you. You. Well, I mean, it depends on how much wine we've had. <laughs> <laughs> whether or not we're friends at the end of the night, right? Think. Okay. Um, <laughs> Cuz that's usually what happens wait. when we get together, you know, we drink a lot of wine and, you know, then we're probably friends, right?
2: But but well, that's true. I mean, it's never been we drink wine and then we're fighting. Uh wine always <laughs> yes, that's helps. True. Uh one wine- Wine, wine may make someone willing to hand someone else a piece of dessert that otherwise was trash. You, you just yeah. you, never, you never know. Yeah. You never know. Exactly. Uh, exactly. All right. So it's PFT Live. We're here on Peacock Series XM 85. Sky Sports Action. It's not Sky Sports NFL in the offseason. It's Sky Sports okay. Action. So we're lumped in with all sorts of other things like darts, I think. But they still have us on Sky Sports Action when it's not NFL season. Um, I was corrected or reminded of that yesterday by one of our friends in the UK watching the program. And hello to all of you over there who enjoy the program and stick with us in the off season, Podcast listeners as well, wherever you are, welcome in. Uh, let's start where the show began. And I, I, I shouldn't say I hate to be critical of our colleagues in the media because okay. if I hated it, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We really don't do things that we hate to do, for the most part. I mean, there's some things we hate to do that we have to do. I don't have to do this. I hate to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. What kind of question was that? Do you think <laughs> that that you can win a Super Bowl? Is this the, I mean, what's he going to say? No. No, we just needed a quarterback, and we didn't know who the hell else we were going to get. And we're not interested in Lamar Jackson because we got the memo from three forty-five Park Avenue that no one should be interested in Lamar Jackson. So we had to keep the guy we have. What are we going to do? We have a quarterback. We can't let Saquon Barkley play quarterback. We needed a quarterback. Um, so I, I just, I, I always that that question and answer always get me because I made this point on Twitter. Um, in response to something Chris Candy said on ESPN, these teams say that their only goal is to win the Super Bowl, and then someone like Lamar Jackson is available, and they all shun him simultaneously, and coincidentally, of course, oh, I thought you were trying to win the Super Bowl, and and I, I'm a firm believer that very few teams actually mean it when they say it. I think the Steelers are the only teams that means it when they say it, because I feel like every year they are trying their absolute best to put together a team they can compete for a championship. Everyone else is just saying it because they have to say it to get people to renew their season tickets. It's that simple.
4: Yes, I mean, well, I think that there are certain degrees of I'm actually trying to win a Super Bowl this year versus I'm trying to get into a Super Bowl window where I feel like it's open enough that we can actually then – go uh, all in or whatever you want to call it from like you know with what the rams did so that they are actually in a window that's open and then we can say yes we know that we can go and win a championship this year. I mean, it's various degrees of that, right? I mean, if you are the Arizona Cardinals, do you really feel like you can win a Super Bowl this year? Hell no, you don't. Because you're not going to have your quarterback for, you know, probably half the season. But if you are the Cincinnati Bengals, you understand that you are in a championship window, per se. So you need to do whatever it is that you can to set yourself up in the offseason that you can actually win a championship. You're
2: absolutely right. And that is the smart way of looking at it. but. If we were he to ask Jonathan that. Gannon, the new coach of the Cardinals today, he would say we want to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, yes. <laughs> so they have far bigger concerns like, you know, not charging players for meals that they're given at the end of the day. Well, they don't charge them. They just take it out of their paycheck and I guess hope that they charging. don't notice. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, all right. I know. But if, if they don't see it, it doesn't feel the same. I've lo- I learned that long ago. <laughs> When I was introduced to the concept of quarterly estimated taxes, by taking taxes out of paychecks, people are far more likely to just say, okay, those are the rules. When you have to affirmatively write the check four times a year from the money you've already made, if everybody had to do that, there would be a revolution. they would, there would be a new Boston Tea Party. There would be a tea party in every major city and every small city and every county and town and borough in America if everyone had to write those freaking checks. And I know it's coming. April 15, April 15, June 15, September 15, January 15. I hate those four days with a passion. And it's always like a day or two after, but you get my drift. So anyway, back to the psychology of taking the money out of the check. They don't notice it. They don't notice it that way, and I wonder if some players even did realize what was going on. All right, uh, let's get uh, to it. More from Joe Shane, GM of the Giants, who managed to keep Daniel Jones under contract, got him to agree so that they could apply the franchise tag to Saquon Barkley. Without that agreement, they would have applied the tag to Daniel Jones, and they wouldn't have Saquon Barkley because he would have been headed for free agency. Here is Shane, and I remember last year when the Giants did not pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones and set themselves up for potentially using the franchise tag on Jones, which was about a $10 million difference. I believe they were betting on Jones, not being the guy they were betting against their quarterback because if they thought he was going to be great, you pick up the fifth year option and then you do a contract after that. Here is Shane on if he thought he'd be in a position where he'd be giving Jones this long term deal a year ago
3: if I thought I was going to be here a year ago, I would have done that fifth year <laughs> I'd have done the fifth year option um you know, but again, I knew from doing work on Daniel coming out in the draft the type of person he was uh from everybody in the building the type of person he was the his work ethic he has all the physical tools he's athletic, he can make all the throws, just the situation he was in i I do think you have to look into that like. Year two and three, you know, what he went through, um, you know, the talent that was around him, the injuries, you know, there's a lot that went into it. But being around Daniel for the last, you know, 13 months and seeing him play in the fourth quarter comebacks and winning a playoff game on the road, and there's a lot of positives that, you know, a 25 year old young man uh, just displayed throughout the season. And, you know, the upside, I got a lot of belief in our staff and Daniel's work ethic and their relationship that, you know, we'll continue to grow and Daniel can get to the better. If, if he's just at his floor right now, I'm really excited about what his ceiling's going to be.
2: And look, it's a win-win because Daniel Jones needs to be working with head coach Brian Dayball because Dayball got a lot out of Jones, just like he got a lot out of Josh Allen. And even though Allen is a cut or two above Jones, similar skill sets, right? Good mobility, big guy, big arm, they just need to get some receivers around him now. By the way, Joe Shane, welcome to the Vest Club as well. I didn't notice that on the way in when we played the clip. Saw it that time. But they did what they had to do. And they made the wager last year that they. they I guess they would rather – and I think this is how Joe explained it when we had him at the Scouting Combine a year ago uh, or after the draft. Whenever – I think after the draft is when we had this conversation. It's – it's better to be wrong this way than to be wrong the other way. If Jones had stunk and they'd be on the hook for a fully guaranteed 24 $25 million for this season, that's not good for them. So, yeah, well, we had to sign him to a long-term contract. Good problem to have, sort of, because they believe he can play and they, can, they believe they can win a Super Bowl with him, as Joe said.
4: Yes. Well, I think part of it, too, is that you understand that, you know, the quarterback is going to command a certain amount of money on the open market. Right. And so if you did this last year where you picked up the fifth year option and then, you know, you're saying that, okay, he does stink. Well, then you're in the situation like the Browns were in last year with Baker Mayfield and they've got to try to get rid of this guy and they know that they need to upgrade a quarterback. But it's harder to do that because, you know, you end up having to eat a certain amount of salary so that you can get him to just go away. The Giants didn't necessarily want to be in that position. I, I totally understand that. And really, when you haven't been around Daniel Jones in the building, you haven't seen how he responds to the coaching from not just Brian Dayball, but also offensive coordinator Mike Kafka, who I don't know is getting enough credit in a lot of these discussions about it because it's not like Brian Dayball is calling the offensive plays, right? That, that is Mike Kafka's job. And so I think that what Kafka has been able to do is maximize the skill set that Daniel Jones has so that it's not just, you know, he's going out there and he's winging it or whatever. I'm talking about a guy who had a league low 1.1% interception rate. That, that means something. Now when you're not turning the ball over, it means that you are giving your offense a chance to score. Now, only had 15 touchdowns last year, too, so that number's got to go up. But I think part of what the argument here is, is, you know, you bring back Daniel Jones and he's not just on that thirty two million dollar cap hit that he would have had if he were on the franchise tender. You're able to then lower that thing with the contract and then you're able to add more weapons around him. And then you would expect a little more offensive production. So all of these things go into it as to why the Giants are all right, even though they have given Daniel Jones ostensibly a lot of money for what doesn't necessarily seem like the production to match it.
2: Well, and the key is they now have some breathing room to add some weapons. He did well when you consider he did not have a great core of receivers. Yes, he had Saquon Barkley, and we'll have him at least for one more year, but he didn't have big-name receivers. The guys they signed, like Kenny Galladay, just, it didn't pan out. And, look, Daniel Jones got the last coach and GM fired. I mean, not him specifically, but he was part of the problem that got people fired. So I can understand why, on the way through the door, you just want to be sure. And you make the calculation... Let's be sure that he's our guy before we we make a financial commitment beyond 2022, which is what they did. Now, as to the contract itself, and we're going to see this time and time again. This is the rhythm. This is how it works. When the orig- original contract is done, the agents will leak. The team never does it. The agents leak to the insiders on speed dial, the best possible characterization of the contract, the absolute best possible characterization. It's always going to be the absolute best possible characterization, even there if there is some embellishment or if there is uh, some fabrication. It happens. It's just part of the game. And then the real numbers come out and we get a better idea of what it is. So four years, 160, not really, not really. That gets it to an average of 40 million per year. And that was like the big, Pressure point. Wanted 45. Well, wanted 45 to get to 40. Get to 40. Got to get to 40. Yeah. So got to 40 technically. But the way to get to 40 is with a fourth year non-guaranteed salary of 47.5 million, you take that out, the average is 37.5. And that's how people are looking at this. It's a three-year $37.5 million contract and the Giants hold an option for the fourth year at 47.5, he's going to have to be really good, the first three, to get them to say, hell yes, we'll pick up that option. And frankly, going into that year, they'd probably give him a new contract in lieu of paying 47.5 and he'd have more security and more money down the road because the market's going to keep going up and up and up and up. So mm-hmm. with that said, three years, $37.5 million, two years, 82000000 million, I've seen some confusion, and we were part of that as to whether or not there's another $12 million that is guaranteed as a practical matter because it vests next year. It's money for year three that vests in year two. That's not what it is. It's two years, $82 million, and the Giants can walk away after that. Guarantees vest the next year. So, look, it's $41 million for two years, which is about $10 million more than what he would have gotten under the franchise tag for two years. So he gets a little extra. It's a two-year commitment minimum by the Giants. And then after 2024, they have an opportunity to pull the plug if it just ends up being a disaster. They have protection against Daniel Jones not being the guy that he was last year. And so that's how it works. And people are like, boy, these are really short-term deals. Well, unless you have Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence – for everybody else, Jalen Hurts. you want to have flexibility in the event that the guy you currently have goes this way
4: instead of that way. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, and so that's why it's a lot of these deals oftentimes are two years and we'll see, you know, and, and I think that makes total sense from a roster construction standpoint. You, you don't necessarily think that Daniel Jones is going to be a total bust This coming year in 2023, because of what he showed you in 2022. Again, Joe Shea mentioned it. he won a playoff game. Now we can talk about how bad the Vikings defense was and they were bad, but they still went on the road and won a playoff game. And so I think that means something. And so if you're talking about it and if you just kind of like look into your crystal ball in the future, What is going to be the case? Well, you're going to give Daniel Jones all of the 2023 season to see what he can do and see if he can continue to stack those blocks and build on what he did in 22. But if things go belly up in 2022, then it would be like, all right, we're going to maybe bring in some competition in 2023, see how well Daniel Jones does, excuse me, 2024, see how well Daniel Jones does then. And then if it doesn't work, then that's when you pull the plug. All of this makes logical sense The New York Giants, when it comes to how are you going to construct your team and possibly keep that Super Bowl window open as long as possible. And if you're Daniel Jones, if you get 10 million more than you would have made on the two franchise tags, that gives you enough incentive to say, Yes, sign me up for that. That makes sense. Let's go and let's try to win.
2: And I wonder how much of that extra 10 million was aimed at just getting the deal done so they could tag Saquon Barkley. I know Saquon Barkley was very happy for Daniel Jones, but as a practical matter, by doing the deal when he did it, Jones allowed Barkley to be tagged. If Jones had simply said, sorry, I'm going to wait until July 15 to do this deal, then Barkley becomes a free agent because Jones gets tagged. So uh, it's good for Jones to do this because keeping Barkley around helps him continue to play like he did last year. It's always better to have the established guy at running back, and he may be around. I don't know. Who knows? Another year or two or beyond this, we'll find out. We'll, we'll play some of that sound coming up. But but that was part of the incentive. Accept the deal so you can keep Saquon, even though it doesn't really help Saquon because he doesn't get a shot at the open market. And at running back, you want to get to the open market as soon as you can. Here is Jones talking about the pressure that necessarily comes from carrying around a 40 million dollar per year contract even if it really isn't
1: yeah I certainly feel you know I've always felt that responsibility and and um you know playing this position um you know especially for a team like the like the New York Giants in the city you know you have that responsibility and and uh I take that very seriously and um it certainly doesn't change and um yeah, I, I certainly do feel that, and and it's my goal to to earn that you know every day, and and you know in the off season while we're preparing for for the season, and then when we get to the season, um, you know, doing my best and and uh, preparing this team to win games and and to me to put put us in a position to do that. So uh, yeah, I take that responsibility very seriously.
2: You know, a point Chris Sims made earlier this week, and it's a, a good one, when the inflated numbers get put out there by the agents the only person that it really helps is the agent because the agent takes that headline and uses it when recruiting new clients it puts more pressure on the player 40 million puts more pressure on the player than 375 once you cross into that that new 10 when the 3 becomes 4 there's an expectation this guy's going to be good if he stinks holy crap we gave this guy 40 million a year well we didn't but you get the point now, the other side of it, too, if he plays better than expected, he's got – and it's a, a very creative incentives package where there's $70 million available, but the maximum he can earn is $35 million. And it's based upon his regular season ranking at quarterback in various categories, top 15, top 10, top 5, and then it's postseason achievement. Um, and it's a rolling thing. Every year it's available, and again, it's up to $35 million on top of that, which could make it an even better deal depending upon how he plays. So he's still got a carrot. He's got $82 million guaranteed. He's got his base deal, and he's got a pretty significant carrot that he can earn pieces of in a bunch of different ways that can make this an even better deal. So he's got the incentive. Not that he didn't have the incentive anyway to play well, but he's going to get paid if he plays like a guy who's in the top half of the league, and if he plays like a guy who's in the top 10 or the top five, he's going to make even more.
4: Right. And, I mean, that's kind of the way it should be, I guess. But, I mean, when it comes to the pressure and all that, I mean, he was already the number six overall pick in the draft in 2019. So I mean, And he plays for the New York Football Giants. This is one of the premier franchises in the league, at least it's supposed to be, unlike when it was a joke under Joe Judge. So, I mean, I, I just... I feel like there is some inherent pressure that comes with that in the first place. And it's not like he hasn't been able to handle that. And so if you add this on, I don't know how much more pressure that makes it. I mean, I guess it does ratchet it up a little bit. If you say that this guy is a $40 million quarterback, which he is, but he isn't right. I I mean, I, I guess, but if you're a quarterback, there is inherent pressure in, how do you deal with that is going to be the way that you're going to be able to either make it or not make it. So, I mean, you see right here, he is now in the top 10 in highest paid quarterbacks in average annual value, which, like, fine. But if you play like a top 10 quarterback, it's going to be, you know, one thing. And if you don't, then it's going to be another. But if you look at these top 10 highest paid quarterbacks, Mike, it, it's not like those top 10 highest paid are the top 10 that we would rank in quarterbacks. I mean, there are at least three quarterbacks on there, maybe probably four, if not five, that I would not say are top 10 quarterbacks in this league.
2: Well, and there are guys on there as well who have yet to get their second contract, so they haven't crashed the party. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is still a year away from even being eligible for his contract. But yeah, that's kind of the way it goes. The salary rankings and the actual quarterback rankings are two very different things. And when you look at that current top 10, one name we don't see is Kirk Cousins, who at one point was the highest paid quarterback in in football not that long ago so it's constantly going to change the market's constantly going to go up because the salary cap keeps going up again we see these numbers in isolation and we say wow these guys are really overpaid no they're not they're paid exactly where they should be paid in line with the salary cap and in line with the fact that the owners take the other half as they sail around on their super yachts in the mediterranean okay um we mentioned earlier saquon barkley And the fact that Daniel Jones does his deal, Saquon Barkley gets tagged. Here is Joe Shane from yesterday on where things stand between the Giants and Barkley now that Barkley has the franchise tag and will be on the team for one more year.
3: Yeah, I'm going to talk to Saquon today. I talked to him yesterday before, um, you know, we put the franchise tag on him. So again, we've... We've had deals out, um, you know, whether it's the bye week or recently, and we're going to continue to negotiate. You know, we love Saquon. He's a good teammate. He's a captain. He's a hell of a player. So, you know, right now he's under the franchise tag. And, you know, as we, we build the team and, you know, continue with our offseason plan, you know, we'll, we'll do what's best for the team. And, you know, we're still mapping that out.
2: Well, And what's best for any team with a running back is to take it one year at a time if you can. And yes. I said this earlier in the week, running backs all already get screwed by the current rookie wage scale. Because their best years typically are the years that are spent under the slotted system based on where they're drafted. And the best thing that happened to Saquon Barkley was being picked second overall and making thirty four point mm-hmm. one million or thirty one thirty four point one? I think it was thirty something like that. Somewhere in the low thirty million on a four year deal. At the running back position, that's, that was damn good money on his way in. Usually what we see is a guy taken far lower, making much less, takes three years before you're even eligible for a new contract, and then they'll go franchise tag, franchise tag, see you later. They got five years out of Barkley, $7.2 million last year, and now they can do one year, two years, see you later if they choose to do it. And that's kind of how it goes for running backs in the NFL. And Sims and I were talking about that as well. More and more of the younger football players who are clearly the best athletes on the field need to, and as Chris said, are beginning to gravitate toward other positions, not just give the best athlete the ball and let him run circles around everyone. Let's develop as a receiver. Let's develop as a quarterback. Let's develop as a defensive back. Let's use that athleticism for something that pays better and gives you a career that lasts longer in the NFL.
4: Yeah, and they've got to do it, Mike, because it's so unfortunate, but it's a roster construction question, right? A- a- are you going to pay that much money for a premium running back where you could spread that money around and then you know use your late-round draft picks, use an undrafted pick, uh, undrafted free agent, I should say, to then bring in a running back and do what the Chiefs did, right? Use Isaiah Pacheco as your lead back who was drafted in the seventh round, and then you win the Super Bowl. I mean, it, it, it's hard to say that running backs should get $10 million plus when you're talking about roster construction unless it is the most special of special dudes. And it's really unfortunate, and I always feel bad saying it because I, I want players to be able to make as much money as possible. But if I'm a GM, my thought process is totally different. Right. So if it's Saquon Barkley for this year in 10 million and we'll see, that would make the most sense to the New York Giants. But if you're Saquon Barkley, I mean, you need a little bit more security, right? You want a little bit more security than just that. Even if you have made as much money as you've made from being a a top five pick in the NFL. It's just it's tough. So Saquon Barkley is a premium back. That's for sure. I mean, we've seen him excel. And because of that, because of all that he's gone through with the injuries and all that, of course, I want him to have more security than just one year at 10.1 million. But if you're the Giants, it's like, man, do I really want to do that? Do I really want to commit myself to more than that for a running back who's getting along there in years and has been beat up? I, I don't know.
1: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines.
2: One of my friends who was here last night remained my friend even though I influenced him at a very young age to be a fan of the Vikings. He's still my friend now despite going through wow. the same trauma that I've gone through the last 50 years. But Dalvin Cook's name came up in the barn last night and what happens with Dalvin Cook? And look, he's entering year seven. He's due to make $10.4 million this year. As you said, when you're looking at roster construction, that's a lot for a guy when you know, when you know, there are plenty of others out there coming in every year. The colleges churn them out every year. Every major college has a guy that can play running back in the NFL if you can trust him to hold on to the ball and pick up blitzers. You block for him, that's how he gets his yard. Other than Barry Sanders, there aren't many running backs out there that if you don't block for them, they're going to get yards. He was one of the few. You got to block for him, and they hit the hole, and off they go. And there are many guys who can do it. And when you get north of $10 million a year, and you've been around five, six, seven years. That's where it's 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 dicey. That's why Derrick Henry at ten point five million for this year after seven years in the NFL is on the trade market. It's a lot to justify when you're talking about the running back position, when you have so many cheaper options, and we know that's just how it is. Interchangeable parts in the football machine. And yes, recognizable name, star player, fans love him, bought his jersey. How they just bought Dalvin Cook's four After all those years of buying 33, they got to keep him in Minnesota. They love him in Minnesota, and I won't be surprised if they work out something that brings down his cap number. Maybe he saves his cash for this year. He still gets his 10.4, but they got to come up with something to reduce the cap charge uh, in order to justify the roster spot. It's, It's that simple, and teams go through that. It's the bill that you have to pay on the back end of a great running back's career, and six, seven, eight years is far closer to the end than the beginning all right we are close to the beginning potentially of the aaron Rodgers era in new york and you know that was another hot topic last night and when i actually go out in public and people want to ask me football questions question one what's going to happen with aaron Rodgers? that's all anyone wants to know and the fact that the cat is this far out of the bag with the jets on the one-year anniversary of rogers telling us that not us specifically, because he doesn't talk to us telling the world generally that he's going to stay with the Packers for 2022. We become aware of the extent to which the jets have pulled out all the stops to get him. And I don't think you get to this point. If he's going to stay in green Bay, like if this jets thing just doesn't work out, if they decide they don't want him, if he decides he doesn't want them, I don't think it's going to be Aaron Rodgers is staying in green Bay. I think the Packers right now are kind of at that point where you've got a four-point lead with three minutes left and you're just kind of holding your breath, you know? You just kind of wait. Let's let's just run the clock out. We got the ball. We're up four. Let's just not say anything. Let's not make any abrupt movements here. This plane is potentially going to land, no pun intended, with Aaron Rodgers gone. Let's just continue to let nature take its course. And I feel like that's where it is because if the Packers were committed to this guy – they would do what they did two years ago when the 49ers called the night before the draft and said, hey, any chance you want to trade Aaron Rodgers? And they laughed and hung up. Two years later, they are far removed, Miles, from laugh and hang up phase.
4: Oh, no doubt. There's no doubt. And whether it would be you know, them sweetening up Aaron Rodgers' contract or... I don't know. More publicly coming out and saying, "Hey, we definitely want you for 2023 or whatever it would happen to be." Privately, publicly, I don't know. Maybe they'd also go supplicate themselves here in we Southern California. We were drunk at the feet we of- were
2: drunk. I'm <laughs> sorry, we were drunk. That's what they'd have to say.
4: With what? I mean, wh- I don't know. Under- what do you mean? I'm sorry, we were drunk.
2: No, the Packers. I'm saying to try, like, to turn this around at this point, like, uh-huh. give him more money. Worship at the altar of Aaron Rodgers. Sorry we were drunk for a week. but I mean, some excuse to somehow put this toothpaste back in the toothpaste holder. (laughs) It's too late. It's too late to turn this thing around.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, it totally is. But it's too late to turn things around for the Packers. But it's also too late to turn that jet around if you're Woody Johnson. I mean, you were already here. You know, like how are you going to go to Aaron Rodgers and be like, "Hey, you should come play for us"? And da 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 da. This is getting to know you meeting, getting to know you meeting, whatever the hell that means. When you know you're recruiting basically this quarterback who may or may not want to play for you. It, what happens to the Jets if they don't land? And pun intended. There, Aaron Rodgers. Right? If they if they don't get Rodgers, what are they going to do? I mean, you you don't have Plan B anymore. Derek Carr's gone now. Yeah, he's with New Orleans. Are you going to go sign Jimmy Garoppolo? That's not a great plan C. Do we turn our faces back to Zach Wilson? Is Mike White, are we going to be blinded by Mike White again? I mean, I I don't know. So, like you said, the cat's out of the bag here. You 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 either got to land Aaron Rodgers or ah, it's going to be ugly.
2: Blinded. I forgot about blinded by Mike White. Again, every time I have a moment like that now, I wonder whether it's the beginning of the inevitable decline. I forgot about blinded by Mike White. We went from the guy that blinded everyone to the guy who intentionally blinded himself to come up with his decision on his future. How you like that one? So, uh, and you know, here's the danger. And I've said this all week long. The Jets are surrendering all power to Aaron Rodgers. Yes. They are giving him, as a practical matter... The keys and the authority to do whatever he wants. Oh, Aaron don't want to show up for the offseason program. I mean, I can envision it now. The The Jets brass, when they're lined up in a row for the introductory Aaron Rodgers press conference, all saying, full-throated, we don't want him at the offseason program. This guy doesn't need to be at the offseason program. He's, He's Aaron right. Rodgers. As long as he walks through the door... To, but but yeah you know, I'm saying they've got to say everything that he wants whatever he wants they're going to be on board with it I mean when and you're right when you send coach GM offensive coordinator owner and I was told yesterday owner's brother Christopher who was the owner while Woody was the ambassador to the UK team president I mean they sent everyone Thank to go kiss Aaron Rodgers' ass. That's what that was. This isn't some, oh, we're going to send all these different people because we want seven sets of eyeballs and seven pairs of ears to study whether or not we want this guy. No, they crossed that bridge already. This is convincing Aaron Rodgers that he should want them because if it's the other way around, and I remember making this point when the Broncos went to see Jim Harbaugh in Ann Arbor and not the other way around. When you go to the guy, you're trying to convince the guy to come work for you. When the guy Mm -hmm. comes to you, the guy's trying to convince you to give him the job. They went to Aaron Rodgers. They went to bow at his altar, as we said earlier. They went to kiss his feet and his ring and his ass. That's what – and so they've already – they've already said – here, you take over. You, you do whatever you can do to try to turn this perennial also ran into a contender. They've already written the check. The question is, is he going to cash it?
4: Exactly. And, and look, I mean, you know, I, I understand why they would do whatever Aaron Rodgers wants to bring in Aaron Rodgers, whether it's saying, hey, man, don't, eat, don't show up to the offseason program. You know Nathaniel Hackett. You know the offense. You know this. You know that. But we all know that it matters what you do in April and what you do in May and what you do in June because the Kansas City Chiefs just won the freaking Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill because Patrick Mahomes brought all those dudes together in the offseason and got him comfortable with him. So I just, you know, and th- the thing didn't happen with Aaron Rodgers last year in Green Bay. So we understand how important the offseason program can be. And especially if Aaron Rodgers is going to a new team for the first time in his career, and he's going with these young receivers who are talented, right? You've got dudes there. You want him with Garrett Wilson in the off-season. You want him with Corey Davis in the off-season. Get these guys all on the same page and get them all ready. So I, I just, I feel like if Aaron Rodgers is going to really want to do this, he should be all in right? I mean, be Tom Brady in 2020 where there were COVID restrictions and he was still going to high school fields and throwing with these dudes so they could get on the same page. Uh, It took them a little bit longer to really get going because they didn't get going until November really offensively. But at the same time, when you are the quarterback and you are the lead dog, you need to take that lead dog position. And if Aaron Rodgers is going to do this, that's what I would like to see from him.
2: Um, I was reminded when you said that. Remember the weird story from three years ago? Was it Byron Leftwich with a bag of balls wandering around some guy's house? He went to the wrong house because <laughs> yes. he was getting together with Tom Brady. And it was clearly a violation of the rules regarding the off-season interaction allowed between coach and player. And yes. they were going to go out in the backyard and they were going to have a catch. I mean, he had a bag of footballs with him when he walked into the wrong place. Uh, and that and nothing ever comes of that you know it comes up something comes of it if the league wants it to and the league rarely wants yeah. it to and it's tom brady they weren't going to give the bucks a hard time it was the the top story of the 2020 season and it worked but you're right he's got an obligation to be all in even if the jets say you don't need to show up for the offseason program he needs to say i want to be there i have to yeah. get to know everyone see that's the one thing that I, I, I'll believe it when it happens. I, I, and, and you know ESPN is putting out the word that the Jets have optimism. Well, I'd like to think they have optimism. They're, they've started this dance. The question is, when the music stops, will Aaron Rodgers be dancing with the Jets? And from his perspective, when he's played for one team his entire career, and when he says, I want Randall Cobb back, I want Mercedes Lewis back, I want David Bakhtiari back, That is a manifestation of, at a core level, he likes things to be the same. He likes Mm. things to be familiar. He likes things to be comfortable. And you take yourself out of Green Bay, Wisconsin, and you drop yourself into new freaking York City, New Jersey, with a new team, new players, and the one commonality, obviously, is Nathaniel Hackett. So that helps a little bit. But that's one dude. Everybody else, unless they're going to sign Randall Cobb, and they probably will. I, yeah. I assume <laughs> that Cobby is going to be wearing a green helmet. Not a green jersey. Well, still a green jersey, but you get my point. Playing for the Jets in 2023. I mean, they're going to give him whatever the hell he wants to make him comfortable. That's part of this dance. They've decided to sell their soul to the Prince of Deliberate Darkness. And we're going to find out what happens. And I'm not complaining, Miles, because for our purposes, it's going to be great.
4: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's just that's just content, 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 baby. And you know what's funny, Mike? People talk about oh, you know, the media market, and it's different, and it's this, and it's that, and it's New York versus Green Bay. The real difference there is not just the media, right? Because we've been talking about Aaron Rodgers nationally, especially you, for years and years and years and years. Right. The the real difference is going to be the beat reporters. Because the beat core for the New York Jets is different than the beat core in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I don't mean that in a negative way toward either one of them. It just is different. And so that's where you might see a little bit of difference because, look, New York is different just from, like, who is there, how these personalities work. Who is covering you on a day-to-day basis? How many people are in the locker? How do you have to do a podium versus just, you know, standing at your locker in Green Bay and having everybody crowd around you? And it's still uncomfortable, but it's different than what you do as a quarterback at the New York Jets. So I think that is also a part of it here where we're talking about what are all the differences and what's the same and what's not, and what's this and what's that. There's just a lot of difference going from the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers to then going to the quarterback of the New York Jets, where the expectations are going to be sky high. And frankly, they probably should be when you have a quarterback who we know is as talented as Aaron Rodgers is and can still get it done, at least from what we saw in certain situations.
2: It's 2008 all over again. At some point, it would be wise for Aaron Rodgers to deviate from the Brett Favre career track, especially once he arrives in New York, if you get my meaning. Yeah but yes, but I he do. is on he is on the he is on the Brett Favre career path and what were the expectations when Favre went to the Jets we didn't have nearly as much time to build up expectations and hope it happened so suddenly right. Brett Favre decides when training camp opens I'm coming back and it was Buccaneers or the Jets and then it happens and you know the rest of the league is ramping up for the season And it just kind of got thrown in with everything else. This is going to be, if it happens soon, months of buildup, months of discussion. And to your point about the difference between the press corps. And and look, this isn't a Green Bay thing. Most teams are like the Green Bay media, where they're not going to ask the tough questions. You can't, because that one question that you asked that may have created a soundbite that plays on ESPN for, you know, six hours. The cost for that is you become the person that they don't want to give people to. They don't want to give you access. They get to a point where they don't want to even give you a credential. You can't stand out as being an agitator when you're somebody who is following the team around everywhere, whether you work for the Packers directly or not. Because right. if they don't like you, you can't do your job or it's so much harder to to do your job if they just don't like you so you go to new york and all bets are off and miles i guarantee you that members of the press corps that cover the jets are pouring through every appearance that aaron Rodgers has had with pat mcafee for anything they can ask him up to and including do you really believe shooting down the ufos were a distraction from what was it the jeffrey epstein client list i mean some of this crazy ass stuff that he's been throwing out there He's going to get asked about it, and he's definitely going to get asked about his belief that Big Pharma, including Johnson & Johnson, sponsors sports media so that they can tell the people speaking into the microphones and typing into their computers to vilify Aaron Rodgers because he's going to be working for Johnson & Johnson, Air Woody Johnson. That's not just going to be glossed over in New York. If it happened anywhere else, it would be. In New York, he's getting asked that question and i i hope he is ready for what's coming and maybe he is maybe maybe he relishes that i mean he's taken that tonight. heel turn recently maybe maybe this is it bring it on bring it on i i want this i want to i want to do do battle with these reporters i i i want to be that guy because you know until he starts playing and until he starts playing poorly if that even happens the jets fans are going to line up behind him they're going to have his back how dare you ask those questions of our new hero of our savior until he isn't their savior then it, then it's all going to turn very sharply but until we get to that point he's got an army now of jets fans that that will get mad it'll be it'll be two and on 2.0 they will be behind him completely and entirely throughout the offseason and until they get to the point where they decide he isn't the guy that they thought they were going to that, that they thought he was going to be
4: I, I would say this in fairness to the Green Bay press corps, right? When we got faced with the whole Aaron Rodgers lied about being vaccinated versus not being vaccinated and the whole I've been immunized BS that he put out there last year, they were pretty tough on him in that subsequent press conference. And so that's kind of how we got some of the stuff that we got because they, I mean, look, they're the ones that are in the room with him, where he's this unvaccinated person in a room full of vaccinated people, and he's supposed to be vaccinated. So, I, I, there is the difference between kind of tough but fair and then adversarial. And I think that's kind of where it, it crosses things and makes it different.
2: Yeah, and and look, that whole thing that he pulled on the Green Bay reporters was a crock of you know what. I said it enough times yesterday I'm not gonna say it yet again today. Okay. Um but but still but my point my point is, to do the job effectively, you can't agitate. You can't be adversarial, except right. when yes. it's absolutely necessary. In New York, they're gonna be adversarial, they're gonna be combative, they're they're going to be they they they're going to be different than they would be anywhere else. We know that. That's part of being in that market. And no matter who shows up for the press conferences, you're going to be on the back page. You 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 mm-hmm. they're going they're going to they're going to have coverage in every publication. It's going to be on WFAN. He's going to be scrutinized, he's going to be criticized, he's going to have to be ready for it. Matt Casey makes a good point. Matt Casey, a lifelong Jets fan, who in his lifetime has not seen the Jets play in a Super Bowl much less win one. Um What percentage of Rogers' interest in the Jets comes from the fact that if he wins a Super Bowl with a lowly Jets franchise, it burnishes his legacy in a way that nothing else would? Winning another Super Bowl with the Packers wouldn't do it. And you know what? If he doesn't win a Super Bowl with the Jets, see, this is why I think he didn't want to go to the 49ers. If he doesn't win a Super Bowl with the 49ers, he's a failure. If he doesn't win a Super Bowl with the Jets, what do we say? Well, it was something other than him. Like, Brett Favre didn't even make it to the playoffs with the Jets in one year. So it's kind of like a no-lose spot for Rodgers. And there's a huge upside. If you do win a Super Bowl with the Jets, you are conquering hero. You have done something that not even Tom Brady had done. You've turned a lowly franchise into a champion. And, you know, at this point, he's not going to get anywhere close to seven So maybe this is the next best thing. Try to get number two with a team that has been suffering for more than 50 years to try to just get back to the Super Bowl and then try to win one.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, I would kind of call the Buccaneers a lowly franchise, but I mean, I guess they had won a Super they, Bowl in 2002 well, they have won, with John yeah. Gruden. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. I understand what it is that you're saying here. But yeah, it, it is different when you're talking about the New York Jets and all that that franchise means, especially to that metropolitan area, and, and what it would be for him to win that Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I think it would be different than just winning a second one with the Green Bay Packers.
2: And And the Buccaneers were a team where when Brady picked them, it's like, you know, they're set up. This is it. They're ready to go with the Jets. Yeah, it feels like that. they're pointing in the right direction. Yeah, no, they. Well, look, look how good they were with Jameis Winston. I mean, they were seven and nine with Jameis Winston throwing thirty plus interceptions. So guess, the idea yeah. was you bring bringing a quarterback that takes a little bit better care of the football, and the sky's the limit. And it was. Mm. But the Jets are still. They're kind of under the radar, lining everything up. Yeah, they were a contender last year until it all fell apart. And, and maybe Rodgers is the difference maker. Now, I, one last thing before we take a break, because I know this has already been addressed by Joe Namath, letting Aaron Rodgers wear number 12. And it's easy for me to say it because I'm not the one that has to wear a different number than 12. But I, I just, I'm not a big fan of this temporary license to wear the jersey of a, of a legend who has retired. At least Joe Namath is alive to say, go ahead and do it. But I said this with J.J. Watt. I said it with Peyton Manning when they got permission for him to wear number 18, which had been retired for Frank Trapuca in Denver. I, I don't like that. I think the, the, the magnanimous thing to do for the player is to pick a different number. Uh, I, but but you, do you really think after everything else they're doing? To get Aaron Rodgers to pick the Jets. Do you really think they're not going to issue number 12? Even if Joe Namath said no. I think they're issuing number 12 to Aaron Rodgers.
4: Yeah, I think it's still going to be Aaron Rodgers wearing number 12. As opposed to like 15 or something.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I. But again. And, and this is not. Oh, you just hate Aaron Rodgers. I've said it about him. I said it about J.J. Watt. I said it about Peyton Manning. I'll say it about anybody. When there was talk last year of... Russell Wilson, two years ago, going to the Bears. And it was like, are they going to give right. me Bronco Nagurski's number? I think it was Bronco Nagurski. Now, you, you know, you just there's a certain point where you just have to say, it's just a number. It's part right. of the effort to dehumanize players. I am my name. I am not my number. Don't let the thing they use to make me not human become so much of my identity that I can't put a different number. The number is ultimately Meaningless. It really is. It really is. But it becomes meaningful because it becomes attached to the player. Let's take a break before we get way too existential on that issue of numbers and names. We're going to do a little whip around. There's so much news in the NFL right now. We're going to try to hit as many different topics as we can when PFT Live continues right after this.
1: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?